uh, called Pray 1212. Our, our church launched, Wellspring Church launched uh, in December 2012, so 1212. And uh, so that's, that's, that's where the, the name came from. And uh, we're just asking you each and every day to, uh, to pray at 1212 over lunch uh, for just a few minutes that you pray for, for your church and for uh, where God is taking us, leading us, uh, directing us for the future, uh, wherever it is that he would lead, that we would follow, be willing to follow, that we'd know his mind and, and, and be wise in, in, our, uh, in our following him. And so we're just asking over the next about four weeks that you would pray uh, every day at 1212 for, for church, for your church. And so that the, uh, if we can go back to the other slide that Jordan showed us earlier, if you have not signed up already for the text when Jordan brought it up, if you want to pull your phone out right now and you just text 313131 and then put Wellspring in the body of it, you will get signed up for those texts. Every day at about 12 o'clock, we're going to uh, uh, send out just one particular uh, uh, prayer request or one thing that we're praying for as a staff that you can join uh, with all of the rest of your church members to pray for that day at 12-12 over your lunch break. If that's not your thing and you want to do it at midnight, that's great. You're still going to get that text at noon. Uh, we're, we're just going to send it out one time over the next over the next four weeks. Like Jordan said, this is not, you're not signing up until Jesus comes back. You know, this is just for, for this initiative. Now, we're going to talk about uh, our, our role of pr- our prayer and the role of our life here in a minute. But for this particular Pray 1212, it'll just be for a month that you'll be getting these texts. Also, this coming weekend, Friday, we're going to pray for 24 hours as a church. And uh, on your way out here in just a, a few minutes, when we're done worshiping corporately, uh, there's a, a sign-up board right out there. About half of them have been taken. About half of the, the time slots have been taken. So we need to fill the other half. If you have not done that and you want to pray for 30 minutes for a thir- in a 30-minute block, uh, if you'll just sign up out there in, in one of the empty time slots, and uh, we'll have a 24 hours of continuous prayer here at the church starting Friday at 6 p.m. And then we're going to run until Saturday at 6 p.m. And then this Saturday night, we're going to have a, a, a night of worship to culminate or to end that season, that 24 hours of prayer. So make plans to be here Saturday night at 6 o'clock, and we're going to have a night of worship um, all under the, the Pray 1212 initiative. All right? I can't wait. Man, I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks, and I'm glad it's finally here. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump in and kick this series off. Father, thank you for this time uh, of... Uh, Focused prayer. Lord, we know we're going to see here in a few minutes it's to be part of our life regularly in the rhythm of our life, continual. But I thank you that uh, you have called us for a, a special focus, a special time of prayer in the life of Wellspring. Lord, that we would have clarity and that we would know your mind and we would follow obediently to that, to that call as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is actually a little bit more difficult, uh, talking about prayer. Uh, what we're going to do, just kind of where we're going here in the next few minutes, we're going we're gonna to talk, just speak uh, for a few minutes on prayer, and then we're going to actually pray. It's kind of an amazing thing. We'll talk about it and then do it uh, for a few minutes, and, uh, and then continue to worship through the Lord's table. But um, it is, this is a little bit more difficult than you may think. 
and, and probably in a little bit different way than you may think, to talk about prayer. Because here's why. If you have any background in church at all, you know that prayer is, is supposed to be a part of our life. It's a regular uh, you know, part of, our, of the rhythm of our lives, or it's at least supposed to be. Um, not only that, but the New Testament specifically has really extricated us or, or, or shown us that, that um, uh, removed any rituals um, when it comes to praying. I mean, it's kind of removed all of the, the, the hoops that you have to jump, jump through. God, throughout the New Testament specifically, he just invites us to come. And so we don't have to, you know, do a lot of things in order to, to talk to him or to, to, be, uh, to, to find pleasure in his sight. So we, we know if you have any background in church at all, you know it's something you're supposed to do. And we all know how to do it. it there's not like a, uh, you know, there's no, there's no smoke. It's not nothing... Uh, it's supernatural, yes, but it's it's not magical or mystical. We're just invited to come. And so all of us in here, if you have any background in church at all, you know we're supposed to do it, and we know how to do it. Yet, if I were to ask, and I am, how many of you are satisfied with your current prayer life, how many of you would raise your hand? I'm putting mine down. I'm not. I mean, look around. Nobody is satisfied not one person in this room is satisfied with their prayer life. And so the dance normally goes that you ask this question, and then I give you this formula to get up five minutes earlier or 15 minutes earlier and to take a break you know, when, on your way home or use your car ride to pray or, or whatever. I just kind of do this drive-by guilty. Guilt, 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 guilt. And then you're supposed to go and use that guilt as motivation to start praying. That's the way the dance normally goes at church. You admit you're not doing it. I guilt you into doing it more. And then for a few days, that guilt is motivation to pray or to do whatever, this specific topic, to pray more. And so starting at lunch today, you pray for 30 minutes and your family says you're never allowed to pray again. And you use that guilt as motivation to pray until about Thursday. And then you show up next Sunday and I do this drive-by guilting and guilt again. Guilt, 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 guilt. And then you, the mom, instead of the dad, the mom uses 30 minutes at lunch on Sunday to pray. And she is no longer, she's into the bullpen. She's not allowed to do it anymore because she takes so long to pray. And you just use, and we just get in this dance of where I guilt, you pray more for a few days. You use that as motivation. I guilt, you use that as motivation for a few days until this series comes to an end. And I have a saying around the Smith House. I use this almost every day. Guilt is a terrible motivator. It's a terrible motivator. Does it work? For a little while. But it's never sustained. And so I don't want to, I don't want to get into that dance, right? I guilt you and you're motivated for a short time. And I guilt you and you're motivated for a short time. I don't want to get into that dance. Instead, I want to take the focus off of us and put it on on Christ. And so what I want to do this morning, in a short amount of time, is I want to just tell you, share with you two reasons why I think we don't pray as much as we should, or as much as we think we should, and then I want to tell you an incredible story, an awesome story, a parable actually that Jesus told, that is incredibly awesome. In fact, I, I, I knew that this story was there, but I never really read it, I never really um, studied it. 
and, and realize just how awesome this invitation is that Jesus gives us in, in Luke's gospel. Let me give you two reasons why I believe we don't pray before I tell you this amazing story. Number one is this. The first reason I think that our prayer life is lacking is we have an unhealthy fear of God. Notice that I said unhealthy because the Bible tells us that the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It actually tells us that we are to have a, a healthy fear of God. But I believe an unhealthy fear of God inhibits our prayer life. I, 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 kind of, I, I talk a big game, okay? But really, I'm a wimp. I mean, I'm a scaredy cat. Two particular times this week as I was studying that, I, I, I remembered I was legitimately nervous. That's, you know, that's code for I was scared to death. Two times in my life, I was, I was nervous. First one was this. A few years ago, I was skiing in Colorado with, with a group of people. Tom Nolan, the coffee guy, he was one of the guys I was skiing. And I was in a group with him. Uh, me, Tom, and a couple other people. And we, had, we were skiing uh, throughout the day together. And Tom is a much better skier than I am, much more skilled. Well, we had been on several of the runs, the back of the mountain, front of the mountain there in Colorado, and we were trying to decide, we'd gone up the, the ski lift, we were trying to decide, what's the run, what next run do we want to take? Tom noticed this sign, and, and, and it wasn't, okay, whenever I get to the top of the lift, I'm looking for a run that's about as wide as this room at least, okay? This run will was between two trees that, that couldn't have been more than four feet apart. And he said, hey, let's just take that run. And I said, sure, no problem. So he kind of takes off first, and he goes to the edge, and he drops off the backside. Not a big deal to me. I follow him, and I, I kind of come off the backside, and I realize, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. We were actually on a trail that connects two runs. And it's a trail of about 24, maybe 30 inches wide. And on my right, I could touch the mountain. On my left, I looked straight down and I saw trees. And I realized if I went off this two, you know, 24-inch trail, I was going to be like a pinball working my way down to the bottom of the mountain. I was in trouble. And this, this trail would kind of go down and then back up, but down and back up. And I've seen enough to know that i got to pick up speed on the way down so I can make it back up the other side. And this was going over and over and over again. After a few minutes, I was thinking, when is this thing going to end? Going to end? Well, a few more minutes, a little bit further down, I, I saw that there was light at the end of the tunnel. We were about to get onto the real trail, the trail that, that Tom had said, let's take. And I was excited about this. Well, I'm about to come out of this little connecting trail that scared me to death, and uh, I'm about to come up onto this big run, and I see a sign that makes me a little bit more nervous. It says this, expert skiers only. If you fall, basically, if you fall, ski patrol's not coming after you. You got to get down the mountain on your own. I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Well, I come out of this little connecting trail, and I look down to my left, and it's almost straight down, and there are moguls. All the way down. If you're not a skier, that just means that they, they, don't, they, they, they don't send the tractor out to, to level the snow. And these little mountains or, or hills um, build up. And you kind of got to work your way down the mountain through these moguls. Very, you have to be a very good skier. 
By the time I finally get out, Tom's more than halfway down the mountain. He's flying down, and I know I am in trouble. There's no way I'm keeping up with these guys. So I slowly work my way down about a quarter of the way. I throw up my hands. I've fallen several times. I kick off my skis, and I walk the rest of the way down. I'm done. I was nervous. Second time that I have been really nervous in my life, I grew up at the beach. I, I, I could walk to the beach from my house growing up. And, and one particular day, we, some friends of ours had a boat. We went out. It was some, it, I was in high school. And, you know, when, looking back, I, I don't understand what my parents were thinking, but they let some high schoolers take the boat out. <laughs> and we were out in the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, a storm rolled in. We were in about a 20-foot boat. A storm rolled in, and, and we could see um, shore, but it was a ways away. And I was nervous. I mean, I was scared. Crashing waves over the side of the boat. I thought we were in trouble. And let me just tell you, I never thought, I, I never thought, you know what, at least I'm a good swimmer. I never thought that. Because this ocean was, was majestic. I mean, it was powerful, crashing into our boat. Luckily, we made it back, docked, and, and we were okay. But as I was thinking this week about this, this healthy fear of the Lord, I thought about these times that I've been scared. And I thought, you know what? If, if the creator who spoke in that mountain that scared me to death came into being, if, if, if the creator spoke, when the creator spoke in this ocean, in all its majesty, in all its might, in all its power, scared me to death, how much more so should I come to the God who created it with reverence and with a, a, a healthy fear? God is not, he's not like a, a, the man upstairs. He's not, he's not cuddly. He's not, he's not, he's majestic. He's powerful. And we are to come to him with, with reverence, with healthy fear. But for the believer, if you know Christ this morning, his, this, his, his, his justice, his, his wrath has been poured out perfectly on his son 2,000 years ago. So that Hebrew says we can boldly come before the throne of grace. We can boldly approach the throne of grace. Yes, we're to have a healthy fear. But as a believer, you are beckoned, you are invited to come into his presence. So number one reason I think... Our, our, our prayer life is lacking is we don't have a healthy fear of God. Where we understand his majesty, his might, his power. We respect and come before him with reverence. But we understand that we are invited to come because of his perfect love and his perfect peace and his perfect wrath has been poured out on his son. So that you and I have a relationship, are invited, are beckoned to come. An unhealthy fear, I think, leads to the second reason that our prayer life sometimes is lacking. And it's this, that we don't believe that God loves us. Maybe not loves. We don't believe that God likes us. We don't, we don't think that he is pleased with us. We think that he just, uh, there, there's a level of regret that God has in saving us. I mean, sure, if, if you and I, if I was to ask, do you think God loves us? Every person in here would raise their hand, myself included. But if we were to sit down at, at, at a table at lunchtime, and I were to ask, do you think God likes you? I think many of us, and I, and I, 
I would put myself in this category. I think there are many days I would go, I don't know how he could. I mean, I think he just puts up with me. He may like, he may like a, you know, a perfected me 10 years down the line, but he doesn't like Scott Smith today. I mean, he knows what I've thought. He knows the things that I've said. He knows how I've treated my family. He knows how I've treated people who did not deserve to be treated badly the way that I treated them. I mean, he's seen all of that. How on earth could he really love me? Not, not, no, no, no. How could he like me? I mean, I get that he loves me, but how could he like me? Instead, he just has a level of regret where he puts up with me. Until this life is over. And I think on a very, where the rubber meets the road, many of us are in that category. I mean, sure, we know God loves us, but I'm not, I'm not convinced, I'm not certain that he likes me. And here's the thing, when, when you're in that category or, or you, you believe that, what do you, what do you tend to do? What, what do you tend to do? You tend to avoid. If I know that I've offended somebody, if I know that, that somebody doesn't like me, I don't go out of my way to find them. I don't go out of my way to talk to them. I tend to avoid. I'm walking down the supermarket aisle. I see somebody that I know doesn't like me. I'm dipping into the, into the nearest aisle. I'm getting out of the way. I'm getting out of Dodge. Why? Because I know they don't like me. So I tend to avoid them. If they're coming to the 9 o'clock service, I'm coming to the 1030 service. Because I know that they don't like me. And I think so many times we fall into that category. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I know he he died for me. Yeah, I, I get all of that, but I'm just not certain he likes me. I think he just puts up with me. And so this morning, I think those are two reasons that we would all say on some level that our prayer life is lacking. We have an unhealthy fear of God, and we're just not sure he likes us. I mean, sure, he, he puts up with us, and he is God after all, but I'm not so sure he likes me. So I just come to church just for penance, but I don't have a relationship. I don't have a, a growing relationship. I don't talk to him. I don't listen to his leading because I'm not so sure that he likes me. This morning, I want to try and put both of those um, mindsets, I guess, excuses to rest by sharing with you the most amazing story when it comes to prayer. I think that's in the New Testament. It's in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, if you have your Bible, we're going to be there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And we're just going to go through eight verses very quickly. Here's what they said. It says this in Luke chapter 18. We're not going to look at the Greek and all of that. I mean, this is just very straightforward. It says this. Then he, that's Jesus, told them, those are the people that he's speaking to, the Pharisees, the, the, the followers, the people that regularly follow Jesus. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So he tells us two things about prayer at the very beginning. He says this, we're so always to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says it this way, pray without ceasing. So while we're having an initiative of prayer for a month, our prayer life, according to God's word, is to be constant, continual, always praying. And he's also going to tell us this story, this parable, for another reason. He's showing us that we're to always pray, 
And then also to not lose heart. He goes on into the parable in the next verse. He says this. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. This was not a nice fellow. Not a nice guy. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. Stop right there. As many of you know, women in in the first century were second-class citizens. For example, they were not allowed to vote. Their their testimony in court was not admissible. They they were not allowed to hold jobs like they're like 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 women are are, are are able to hold jobs in the 21st century here in the United States. They were they were considered in the first century second class citizens. Below women were widows, unless a, a man uh, whenever he died he died with some level of wealth, or unless the oldest son, if the lady had an oldest son. We're willing to take care of his mom, his widow. This mom, this widow, had a very um, difficult life ahead of her. It was a very tough life. She would be in great distress outside of those two circumstances. That's why when the Bible tells us that we're to, to take care of widows, it is a legitimate concern. It's a legitimate reason. Um, it's a legitimate calling for the church to take care of widows. And so he sets up this, this, these two characters, a judge who has great power, great influence, and then a widow who has no power, no influence in the first century. And here's how the story unfolds. The widow kept coming to this judge and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Next verse. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, even though I'm a terrible human being, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So here's what Jesus says. There's this judge, great influence. There's a widow, no standing in the community. And she comes every day and bothers the judge, asking for justice to be given. Jesus doesn't tell us what's, what's going on. He doesn't tell us why she needs her adversary to, 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 uh, to have justice rain down on them. He doesn't tell us any of that. He just says that this widow has been wrong. And because of her continual um, uh, coming, the judge finally relents. Even though he's a terrible human being, he relents and gives justice to this widow. He continues his story in the next verse. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I will tell you, he will surely give justice to them speedily. I love this story because it gives us an amazing invitation to come. Jesus says in this parable in this story. I want you to come to the Father. The Father says, come pester me, bother me, come day after day after day and bring your request to me. Come over and over and over again. I want you to come into my presence. I want you to pester me. I want you to bother me. I want you to ask and ask continually. Come into my presence. I'm beckoning you. I'm inviting you to come, come, come. If if, if a, a, a judge who is unrighteous Grants 
the request of this widow, how much more so does the, the, the perfect, righteous God of the universe, how much more so will he answer your requests as well? So I want you to come in prayer and bother me and pester me over and over and over again. Let me just tell you, as a dad of small kids, this is an invitation that no earthly father gives to his kids. <laughs> My oldest, he likes to pin you down. I mean, he wants an answer out of you, and then he pins you down. So he'll ask over and over and over again. And let me tell you what I have never said before. Would you just keep bothering me, and then you'll finally get your way? I've never said that. You know what I have said? Ask me one more time, boy. <laughs> Ask me one more time. That's what I've said to him. And Jesus says that our perfect heavenly father offers this invitation to pester him, to ask him over and over and over again to bring our request to him. He never gets tired of hearing. He never gets tired uh, of longing to, to hear from you. Bring your request to me, God says. Bring them over and over and over again. Bring them continually in your prayer. I want to hear from you. I want to know what your I, I want to hear your request. I want to I want to hear from you. Bring them to me. Bother me with them. I never grow tired of hearing from you. That's the invitation that he brings. But the second reason that I, that Jesus says that he tells this story, and I don't want to overlook it. In the first verse, he says, I'm telling you this story so that you'll pray continually. I want you to pester me because I want to hear from you continually. But the second reason, Is so that you don't lose heart. I don't want you to lose heart when you're praying. Every single person in here could tell of a time, could, could share with us a story when you prayed a prayer, and it was a legitimate prayer. I mean, it was a prayer that you thought with all of your might that, that God would want to answer in the way that you're praying, and yet he did not show up in the time that you thought he should or he would. I mean, it's, it wasn't one of those, help my son to win his baseball game, or help my, my daughter to win her ba a basketball game. It wasn't one of those type of prayers. It was one of those, God, I, I pray that you would show up and you would save my son or my daughter. Lord, I, I pray that you would heal my husband or my wife. I mean, it was a legitimate prayer that you came to the Father continually to or with. You continually prayed. And you thought he would want to answer the way that you were praying. And yet he didn't, or he hasn't. And so Jesus tells us this story. He brings us this story. He teaches us this story so that we would not lose heart. The older I get, the more I'm convinced that there is a mystery to prayer that we simply will not understand on this side of eternity. I know that's cold comfort, but the... I don't know what else. I don't know, I don't know if that there's another answer. There's a mystery to prayer that we simply are going to have to grow comfortable with on this side of eternity. And yet the Father 
beckons us, invites us to come and to bother him, to, to nag him, to, to ask him over and over and over and over again. Because he wants us to come. And so that we would not lose heart. This month, I hope it'll, it'll be a driving force for the rest of our lives. Not because of guilt, but because of love. Because of devotion to our Savior. It would drive us to nag Him. To bother Him. To bring our request continually to Him. And the result of that is that we would not lose heart. We're going to talk more about prayer over the next few months. But right now, I just want to pray. So Phil's going to come. He's going to pray. Or he's going to lead a, play, play some music. And, and, and I'm inviting you to, to bow your head. And you can pray however you, you would like. And, and I'm not, not asking you specifically to, to pray for anything. What, I, what I'm asking you to pray for right now is this. That, you, that, that God would use this season in our church's life, life to lead us to where he wants us to be. That he would use this as a, as a, a, a driving force in our obedience to his calling. And that we would obediently follow in his lead. And so if you know somebody in here, you know they're, they're, they're kind of working through different things. Uh, you, can, you can go and, and just let them know that you're, you're, you're interceding with them. But use this time as, a, as a, a kind of a jumping off point for this season, these next four weeks, that God would hear our cry as we bother him, as we pester him, as we continually bring our request to him. And that in doing so, we would not lose heart. As we follow obediently the command of this parable. So Phil, if you'd play, pray, I mean lead us in, in worship, we're going to pray, I'm going to start us off, and then I'm going to close us out here in just a few minutes. And you're welcome to sit there, you can stand, you can come up here to the, uh, to the stairs, to the front. If, maybe you've done that historically, we don't normally do that here, but I'm inviting you to come and, and, and to, to, to pray here at the front. If that's something you're comfortable with, just find a posture that you're comfortable with. And we're going to pray for just a couple minutes, and then we're going to sing and that's going to lead us right into the Lord's table this morning. Let me pray, and then we'll pray individually. Father, what an amazing invitation you've offered to us. To come continually, over and over and over again. And you contrast this, this invitation with an unrighteous judge who grants a wish just to, to get this lady off of her back, or off of his back. How much more so does our perfect, loving, righteous, heavenly Father invite us to come and desires, longs to answer our prayers? So Lord, I pray we'd come. We would come continually. And we would not lose heart. <laughs>